Hello and welcome to the IT Governance Podcast for Friday the 2nd of June 2023. Later on, we'll be hearing as usual from our CEO, Alan Calder, who'll be discussing cyber reg tech. That's the technology that organisations can use to manage their regulatory compliance. But first, the news. Having devoted our last podcast to Capita's cybersecurity woes, and having discussed its March ransomware attack several times in podcasts over the past couple of months, I'm reluctant to harp on about it. But the outsourcing giant has been in the news again this week, as more and more affected organisations come forward. According to the BBC, around 90 organisations have now reported personal data breaches to the Information Commissioner's Office as a result of both the ransomware attack and the revelation that Capita had left an unsecured AWS bucket containing customer files exposed online for seven years. The ICO has confirmed that it's making inquiries. On the 25th of May it said... We're encouraging organisations that use Capita's services to check their own position regarding these incidents and determine if the personal data they hold has been affected. If necessary, consider reporting a data breach to the ICO and we'll use this information to inform our next steps. Organisations must notify the ICO within 72 hours of becoming aware of a personal data breach, unless it doesn't pose a risk to people's rights and freedoms. If an organisation decides that a breach doesn't need to be reported, they should keep their own record of it and be able to explain why it wasn't reported, if necessary. Last weekend, The Observer reported on an investigation into 20 NHS trusts which it revealed had been sharing intimate details about patients' medical conditions, appointments and treatments with Facebook without consent and despite promising never to do so. Observer journalists found that the trusts' websites had used the MetaPixel tool to collect browser data without users' consent, which the tool shared with Facebook's parent company, Meta. In many cases, the data included special category data, which should be afforded greater protection under the GDPR or General Data Protection Regulation. Together, the 20 NHS trusts serve a population of more than 22 million people. According to The Observer, the data included granular details of pages viewed, buttons clicked and keywords searched, which could be matched to the user's IP address and identify a link to an individual or household, and in many cases, details of their Facebook account. The data was collected from patients who visited hundreds of NHS webpages about HIV, self-harm, gender identity services, sexual health, cancer, children's treatment and more. Following the observer's investigation, 17 of the 20 NHS trusts confirmed they were removing or had removed the tool. Aside from those 17, Hertfordshire Partnership Trust and the Royal Marsden said they were launching internal investigations, and only the Tavistock and Portman NHS Foundation Trust didn't respond to requests for comment. NHS England told The Observer that individual trusts were responsible for ensuring they followed data protection laws. Meta, meanwhile, said it had contacted the trusts to remind them of its policies, which prohibited organisations from sending it health data. The ICO is investigating. Talking of Meta, the day after The Observer published its story and the week the GDPR celebrated its fifth anniversary, Meta was fined a record 1.2 billion euros following a 10-year investigation by the Irish DPC, or Data Protection Commission, into Facebook's use of standard contractual clauses to transfer personal data to the United States. The company has also been ordered to bring its data transfers into compliance with the regulation. The privacy campaigner Max Schrems, whose three lawsuits against the DPC prompted this regulatory action and derailed two transatlantic data transfer mechanisms, the Safe Harbour Scheme and the EU-US Privacy Shield, in the process, commented, 
We're happy to see this decision after 10 years of litigation. The fine could have been much higher given that the maximum fine is more than 4 billion and Meta has knowingly broken the law to make a profit for 10 years. Unless US surveillance laws get fixed, Meta will have to fundamentally restructure its systems. The extent to which other organisations will be affected by the judgment is as yet unclear. As you'll remember, the EU GDPR permits international transfers of EU residents' personal data under three circumstances. One, where the destination country has an adequacy decision demonstrating that it provides a suitable legal level of protection for EU residents' personal data. Two, through standard contractual clauses or binding corporate rules. Or three, if an approved certification mechanism is complied with. Since the Schrems II case, or the Privacy Shield ruled invalid by the Court of Justice of the European Union in 2020, organisations have largely relied on SCCs as well as supplementary technical measures to transfer EU residents' personal data to the US while waiting for a replacement for the Privacy Shield. However, that replacement, the EU-US Data Privacy Framework, already looks likely to fail after a recent resolution by the European Parliamentary Committee on Civil Liberties, Justice and Home Affairs found that the framework doesn't afford adequate protection for EU residents' personal data when transferred to the US and therefore shouldn't be used as the basis for an adequacy decision. For Meta and other organisations that hope to use the framework for EU-US data transfers, the future is unclear. Max Schrems commented, Meta plans to rely on the New Deal for transfers going forward, but this is likely not a permanent fix. In my view, the New Deal has maybe a 10% chance of not being killed by the CJEU. Unless US surveillance laws get fixed, Meta will likely have to keep EU data in the EU. We will, of course, follow this story and keep you updated about any developments. Finally, a quick update on the DPDI bill, the Data Protection and Digital Information No. 2 bill to give it its full name, which will reform the UK GDPR and Data Protection Act 2018 and the Privacy and Electronic Communications Regulations 2003, or PCR. The bill has now passed committee stage and now moves on to report stage when it and its proposed amendments will be debated in the House of Commons. After report stage, the bill will have its third reading in the Commons and then pass to the House of Lords. That was the news. Now, IT Governance's CEO Alan Calder discusses cyber regtech and how it can help organisations manage their regulatory compliance. There was an interesting article I saw this morning which says that uh, the Canadian government is going to put together a cyber security framework in collaboration with the US government so that uh, organisations that are in Canada and want to supply cyber security and other services to the uh, to the US government uh, can do so without having to comply with multiple frameworks. And of course, the US already has multiple frameworks uh, in place. It struck me as a good thing, but also a challenge for organizations uh, in a changing environment around the regulations and frameworks that they have to comply with. And that's taking place in a world where I think in the last six to nine months, there have probably been three or four different uh, acts in the United States dealing with cybersecurity at a federal level. Uh, there is a growing number of uh, state level regulations. Texas, I believe, is the latest to bring into play a very fierce set of privacy protection regulations. Uh, on this side of the Atlantic, the UK's GDPR is busy going through uh, 
Parliament as a set of revisions. Uh, exactly what will emerge, of course, we don't know, uh, and it might emerge by this autumn or even next year, um, but, but it's going through a set of changes. While it's going through a set of changes, uh, the uh, European Union is busy uh, pushing ahead. It's now some six months into a set of regulations around uh, digital operational resilience applying to the financial sector, DORA, uh, as the acronym so uh, neatly captures it. Uh, and there have been changes to the Network and Information Security Directive across the uh, EU uh, by default in the UK. There's the possible extension in the UK to cover managed service providers. And alongside all of that, ISO 27001, the global standard for information security management systems, was updated in October last year. And there is a three-year transition period for organizations to make the transition. And not only, therefore, does ISO 27001 change, uh, but probably uh, eventually another 15 or 16 uh, ISO 27000 family standards will change. And the kind of question that that triggers in my mind when you look at that set of ongoing changes and you, and you factor in the fact uh, of changes in the national data protection regulations in many countries, the uh, reality of the emergence of data protection regulations in countries that you might want to be doing business with, uh, the growing concern in your customers and therefore through the supply chain that suppliers will be adequately secure and therefore uh, growing levels of uh, questions about cybersecurity in the supply chain, uh, growing requirements to comply with this standard or that framework. The, the kind of question for most organizations becomes not just should I or shouldn't I do ISO 27001, but how on earth do I keep up? How on earth do I Keep up with the changes because, you know, you change GDPR. There's a host of new words that I've got to read through and I've got to work out which ones might apply. And then I've got to update my documents to reflect them. And now you want me to deploy the um, Center of Internet Security, cybersecurity controls. What even are they? Um, how do they map to the controls that I've currently got? Is there more work that I need to do? Is this going to be a, a new silo I've got to build inside the organization? How exactly do I do this? Uh, do I have to build a compliance team of two, three, four, five people, all of whom have uh, huge detailed knowledge of this stuff just so that I can handle this upcoming set of uh, existing challenges? Or do I just ignore them? Well, I can't ignore them because I'll have a breach. I'll have a big fine. I'll go out of business. I'll lose customers. Um, so I can't ignore them. There's not enough people out there. We have a th three million people vacancy for cybersecurity experts at the moment. So there's not enough people to hire, even if you had the budget to hire them. So how on earth do you stay on top of this set of regulations? I saw something a few weeks ago, which indicated that today most organizations are having to comply with, on average, about six sets of frameworks or regulations that deal with privacy and or cybersecurity to one extent or another. And the answer, of course, is something which we increasingly call cyber reg tech, cyber regulation technology. And cyber regulation technology takes the idea of there's a whole bunch of complicated cyber and privacy re regulatory requirements 
puts them into a system, ties it in with tools that will do risk assessments, that will enable you to track uh, incident response, that will have workflows that will enable you to generate the documentation that you need to uh, demonstrate that you're in compliance with whatever it is you have to comply with, that will enable you to update documents when there's a new set of changes that comes in, and all of that for less than the price of perhaps half a human being. This is not talking just simply about AI because, you know, AI can only regurgitate information that's already out there. And quite often what you're having to do is take information as it becomes available, feed it into systems in ways that enable you to effectively upgrade what you do and to produce actionable, uh, where necessary, changes that you implement across the organization. Cyber RegTech, cyber regulation technology, technology that enables uh, a small number of uh, compliance or security uh, uh, managers, the people responsible for making sure systems work inside the organization, puts them in a position where they can drive out across the organization on a platform that is robust, that itself is secure. They can drive out across the organization the processes, the controls, the reporting mechanisms, the data gathering mechanisms that are necessary for the organization to cost effectively demonstrate that it is complying with whatever it has to comply with in a way that meets customer requirements, in a way that meets regulatory requirements, and in a way that meets certification requirements. And, you know, that kind of leads me into the business of Euro privacy. The European Union, the European Data Protection Board has recognized a privacy seal, the Euro privacy, privacy seal, an organization whose data protection processes meet a given standard, uh, can become certified uh, by a certification body, an independent certification body, and have the data protection, the Euro privacy data protection seal uh, displayed across all of the in-scope systems uh, and activities demonstrating that they are GDPR compliant. Huge step forward in being able to show compliance to customers and regulators, but it's another challenge. How do you tie the requirements of the Euro privacy framework? It's a certification framework, so it says this is what you must do. How do you tie those requirements to you may have ISO 27001 or ISO 27701, the PIMS uh, Personal Information Management Standard? How do you tie that together in a way that means you've got a single integrated working cost-effective management system? Those are the, the, the business challenges. We're going to see more and more organizations over the months and years ahead grappling with how do we do this? And the answer is going to be Cyber Reg Tech. Find a platform and, you know, because I'm talking about it, you would expect me to know of a platform. I do. Uh, platforms like Cyber Comply are it. Uh, platforms like Cyber Comply have bunches of functionality, but they've also got access and cross map uh, access to 15, 20, 25 different standards and not just standards to uh, legal text, not to the thousands of words that go into law, but to the bits of the law that apply to cybersecurity or privacy. So cyber reg tech, it's a, it's a concept which already exists in the financial sector, um, where organizations rely on reg tech to simply meet compliance requirements like anti-money laundering, um, uh, uh, um, anti-bribery, all of those kind of components. You can do that across a much broader base. You can do that 
in, uh, in a cyber red tech environment. And you can do it in a way which increasingly will enable you to tie into it uh, standards like ISO 14001, 45001, um, uh, cyber essentials, uh, the whole broad range of things that you want to be able to demonstrate you're in compliance with. From the perspective of a compliance team, that, of course, has got to be a bit like magic, because not only does it put you in control of everything, if it's a good tool, you can go, now the business is asking me for this, how do I do it? Go to your cyber comply tool and go, okay, I see how to do that. It's already in here. I just simply press this button and we can start controls automatically mapping, tells me what I need to do, gives me the information, enables me to roll it out across the organization as a whole. Uh, and not only can I do that, here's a dashboard that enables me to demonstrate to my board, who quite rightly uh, are more and more concerned about how they demonstrate that they're meeting their obligations to be on top of cybersecurity. And the upcoming regulations that we'll see from the SEC will require boards of uh, U.S., uh, listed companies to be able to demonstrate that as a board, they're on top of governance, risk management and compliance, uh, and that there's somebody there who knows what's going on. Uh, and a cyber comply dashboard is kind of like a practical way to deal with that. So cyber reg tech, it's a key term. It's one which I think in our world of cybersecurity and privacy, we will see increasingly talked about in the months and years ahead. Thank you, Alan. And that's it for this time. As ever, you can get in touch with us either by leaving a comment on the blog or via Twitter at ITGovPod, that's my account, or at ITGovernance. We'll return in a fortnight, but until then, our archive is on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And you can find everything you need to implement and maintain cybersecurity defence in depth on our website, itgovernance.co.uk. 